you have a Bible, open up to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 39 this morning. It's not a normal practice to look at such a huge passage of Scripture, but there is no passage of the Bible that uh, demonstrates what life in Christ looks like, quite like Romans chapter 8. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Uh, use this sermon today as a guide to this chapter. And uh, I believe some of the great glories of the Bible can be unlocked as you begin to study and understand and spend time in Romans chapter 8. Uh, it is the, the peak of the mountain of Scripture, in my opinion. And so I want to encourage you to spend some time in this chapter, perhaps even this afternoon, and just use this, this sermon as a guide. I, when I was telling Nathan what I was trying to do, I said, we're going to skip a rock across the passage this morning. And, and so it's a good passage. If you're going to skip a rock across a passage, it's a good passage to skip a rock, rock across. So we won't read the entire chapter this morning, but we will read. We've already heard 1 through 11. We will read verses 31 through 39, and we'll certainly look at some verses in between as well this morning as we consider why it is we ought to follow Jesus. If you have your Bibles open there to Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39, um, hear from the word of the Lord. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. O oh Lord our God, we pray that by your Spirit, who features so prominently in this great text, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your word today and God be changed by it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was a day where dreams would come true. It was a day where he would have the best time of his life. In March of 2019, last year, a man in France had friends at work who decided to surprise him with what would seem to be a bucket list item. And some of you, when you hear this, are going to be so excited just to even think about it. You see, they had gifted him with a joyride in a French Air Force jet, a fighter jet. That kind of makes me excited to think about. And so they got there to the airfield. But there was a problem. It was not a day where his dreams would come true. He would not have the best day of his life. 
And even though he almost kicked the bucket, this wasn't on his list. He happened to be wearing a smartwatch that day that could keep up with different things, and later doctors could get a better picture of how stressed out this guy was. He was in full tachycardia. His heart was beating 140 beats a minute as he was about to get on the plane. He hadn't even gotten on the plane yet, and he's already super stressed out. But get in the plane, he did. You see, his co-workers had surprised him with this bucket list item, but the thing is, he didn't want to do it. He had never expressed any interest in this. He had never expressed any desire to do this, and yet here he was getting on a French jet, fighter jet. And as the plane began to climb, as the pilot really began to get this thing going, the poor guy got even more scared. He's like my mom in traffic. What my mom does in traffic, she tries to find something to grab. When I was a little boy, you know, and somebody would stop in front of us. She would hit the brakes and put her arm over there. And I would say, Mom, you really think that's going to help? But even now, she's looking for something to grab, right? He was like her. So he, this, the, the, the pilot's really kicking it in. He's really starting to go and climb. They're at about 2,500 feet, and he's really starting to climb. And so this guy is really stressed out. His heart's beating 140 beats a minute. He's a nervous wreck, and he's trying to find something, any sort of comfort. And finally, he grabs something comforting. You know, it does feel good sometimes to just have something to hold on to. Problem is that the thing he grabbed was the ejection seat button. And there he went, out of the plane. Now thankfully, he landed safely, and thankfully the pilot was able to land the plane safely. But you talk about a day for your bucket list. Ejecting yourself out of a fighter jet uh, is something that you uh, don't expect. And that's certainly not how he expected the day to go when he woke up that morning. You know, you've seen the commercials, you've seen the movies, you've heard the message all around us. We're living the dream. We're having the time of our lives. We're living out our our bucket list. And if that's true, like the world wants us to believe, why can't we seem to enjoy it? What is it that's the hang-up? You scroll through your social media and it seems like everybody else is having a good time, but why Why are things not quite where they need to be for me? You see, the Bible describes life without God in a really succinct way. It says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And that's the message we hear from the world around us all the time. Eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, Get yours while the getting's good, because one of these days you're going to die, and that'll be that. YOLO. You only live once. And sure, we eat, and sure, we drink, but we just can't seem to be merry. The Grateful Dead said it really well. I may be going to hell in a bucket, baby, but at least I'm enjoying the ride. The thing is, even the Grateful Dead, by the end, weren't even enjoying the ride. None of us are really enjoying the ride. Could it be, could it be that you're looking for, that you're longing for, that you're searching for something more? 
I want to show you five reasons today. Five reasons why you should follow Jesus. Five reasons why you should follow Jesus. There are five truths I want to communicate to you this morning that I think will help you see why you need to follow Jesus today that can maybe help you make sense of why, even though you're supposed to be living the dream, you just can't seem to make things connect. You see, what I think has happened in our society in so many ways is that we've amused ourselves to the point that we think we don't really need Jesus. And yet, if you look at all the statistics, if you look at the way things really are, not the veneer that we put out, not the messaging we send out, but the reality in our heart, something isn't right. This morning, I want to communicate to you that I believe that something more you're searching for is Jesus himself. And I'll show you five reasons why you should follow him. The first is this. Follow Jesus because you can find freedom from condemnation. Find freedom. Find freedom from condemnation. Now, I wish, I've, I've preached a whole sermon series on Romans 8 before. Eight or ten sermons from Romans 8. So we can't look at every single verse. Uh, but I really want to focus on just a couple of verses per point this morning just to kind of help you get a guidebook for this book, for this chapter. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, for all of our talk of freedom and independence, all of our talk about doing what we want when we want to do it, if it feels right, do it, sort of mentality that we have in our society. Have you ever noticed that nonetheless there's still judgment? That nonetheless our culture and society still judges one another? In fact, we've seen some of the bad fruit of this mindset in recent years. You know, we've, we've tried to convince ourselves as a society and as a culture that there are many crimes and, and things we do wrong that are totally victimless. And that was basically the message of the sexual revolution, right? That there, it, it, it's free love. It's a victimless crime. That there are no consequences. And yet, we've seen in the last couple of years that that sort of sex ethic, that sort of approach to love is not free and certainly not love. There are victims on the other end. There, there are victims to what was proposed as a victimless crime. Have you noticed that even though our society tells us we can do whatever we want, act however we want, that's just simply not true? There is still judgment. And the judgment's not just from those haughty Christians. It's also from the world. It's also from our peers. When I talk to young people especially, I hear all the time from young people how guilty they feel all the time. Especially right now. I hear even from my own wife and in my own heart, I think, you know, what, what, we just can't quite do this thing right. We're supposed to be working from home and helping the kids learn too and making sure they have food to eat and everything else. We kind of feel guilty about the fact that we're not doing as good of a job as we thought. You see, all of the world's judgment, all of our own fearful guilt, is pointing us to a greater reality. These are small signposts that are pointing us to something bigger. And that reality and that truth is that we are condemned by God for our sin. There, there is condemnation for sin. 
There is right and wrong, right? Now, that's a countercultural fault. There is right or wrong. You cannot simply do what's true for you. You cannot just live out your truth. We are condemned by God for our sin. And there are vestiges of that reality. That there is right and wrong in the culture, in our society, in our relationships. And don't you feel that reality in your own heart? Don't you sense in your own heart the reality that you have sinned against God? That you are guilty of your sin? We can convince ourselves that that's just some sort of uh, puritanical appendix to the past or whatever else, that that we were just raised in a shame-based culture and therefore we feel ashamed, but you know the truth. You know the truth that when you put your head on your pillow at night, you feel guilty. And you know it's more than just how you were brought up. But I tell you, I I didn't come this morning to preach to you simply that you're wrong or that you're a sinner. I, I came to preach to you today that you can be free from condemnation. You can find freedom in Christ. What does the Bible say? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's because Jesus was condemned on our behalf. You can be free from condemnation through faith and through trust in Jesus. Only through Christ. But it's not only that. Not only can you find freedom from condemnation, but second of all, You should follow Jesus because you can find a hope for your future. You can find a hope for your future. Last evening, Whitney and I tried to watch uh, uh, Night at Home for something. It was sort of like We Are the World or something like that. And uh, a bunch of people singing and different kind of stuff. And uh, it was meant to be encouraging. And listen, I, I think a lot of it was in so many ways. Right now, you can't hardly turn the TV on and be encouraged, can you? It's a discouraging time, and I don't think we ought to bury our heads in the sand, but there aren't many people who are very hopeful about the future. It feels like the prognosticators are pointing out into a future that seems pretty bleak. Hope is hard to come by, and that's without the COVID-19 crisis. There are many people who just feel hopeless. On top of that, I think all of us right now just feel the sort of aura and specter of death all around us you watch the news you hear the reports you read the paper whatever it is you do and you just kind of get the sense that things aren't as they should be and there's not a person i know who doesn't at some level or another worry about death now that doesn't necessarily mean that we fear death but we all worry about it at some level or another i trust jesus completely but i stop and think i wouldn't want to die today I don't want to. I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my family without me. You know, of all things. I think Vampire Weekend said it best when they said, "I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die." All of us worry about death at some level. We're fearful about the future, and we worry about death at some level. But listen to what the Bible says in verse. 11 of Romans chapter 8. Verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Do you see what the Bible's teaching? 
Do you see what the Bible's teaching? If you follow Jesus, and wherever you follow Him to, and that might be to the grave. The Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. I am not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. I am not here to tell you today that if you follow Jesus, He will make all your wildest dreams come true. You have to vote for Pedro for that, right? It's a Napoleon Dynamite reference for those of you in the room who didn't, who didn't catch it. Anyway, so I, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm arguing. In fact, when you take up your cross and follow Jesus, it may eventually become a literal cross. You may follow Christ to your death. You may follow him to the slums. There's no telling where the footsteps of Jesus may lead. What I'm saying is no matter where you go, you do not have to fear and you have a hope for the future because even if we die, we serve a God who has given us his spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And if you have that same spirit in you, he will raise your mortal body from the dead. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, we have a hope for the future, future. And think about how bold that is. Think about how bold that is. That is not saying, well, everybody dies and so I have to deal with it, I guess. That's not zinning out over death. That's not fearing death. That's being hopeful beyond death. Death be not proud, the great sonnet writer John Donne once said. Though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. How can he say it? How can we be so bold? How can we confidently have hope for the future and not dread? Only through Christ, who, though he died, has been made alive. And he makes the same promise to all those who follow him. Find a hope for your future. Find freedom from condemnation. Third of all, find a father who calms your fears. Find a father who calms your your fears. Look at verses 14 and 15 with me. For all who are led, verse 14, by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now think about this. We are fearful. Talked a little bit about worry and things like that, but that's not exactly fear, is it? Well, we can be very fearful. There's one thing to have a sense of dread and a sense of worry. It's another thing altogether to be actively afraid. And so I worry a little bit about, I don't know, getting the coronavirus. I don't want to. It might come as a shock to you. It's not something I desire. So I might have a little bit of a worry about that or whatever else. That's different than the feeling you have when your whole family's in the guest bathroom, piled up in the bathtub, and you're sitting there thinking about, if a tornado knocks my house down tonight, right, what will we do? What if, it, what if only my children make it? Will they know what to do? Why didn't we bring helmets in here? What was I thinking? Right, that's a different sort of fear, isn't it? It's an active fear. Isn't it something to think about having a father who calms your fears. I've shared this with you before, but I tell my kids this all the time when they get afraid. I say, look at me. Look at me. Do I look afraid? They say, no. It's all right. When I get scared, you can get scared. That's the deal. We'll all get scared together. Until I'm afraid, you don't have to be afraid. 
You see, we are fearful and we long for a loving family. And I tell you this morning, you can be adopted. You can be treated by God just like Jesus is treated by God. Because the reality is, for all the fears we have, the ultimate fear we ought to have is of the living God. He's greater than all these things. And so the reality is, and the logic of Romans 8 is pointing us to the fact that you can be adopted into the Father's family. Your fears can be relieved, not by your own strength, but through the grace and love of a good Father. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." Perhaps if you don't still sing it now, you've sang that with your grandmother before. And by grace, my fears relieved. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be comforted, to be loved, to be treated like a son by a good and gracious and loving father? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, Jesus taught us what to call God. Jesus taught us what to call Him. He taught us to call Him the same thing He calls Him. And so we call out to God, Abba, Father, thank you. He calms our fears. He helps us in our fear. And He brings us into His family through adoption. That's not it, though. Fourth of all, when you follow Jesus, you find meaning for your suffering. But when you follow Jesus, you find meaning for your suffering. Listen to what Paul says in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You see, the reality of suffering is a challenge to following Jesus. And I understand completely why it's a challenge for so many people. Just the presence of suffering in the world is a challenge to belief in God. We, we all recognize that. We, we know that. We own that as Christians. I struggle, okay? I'm a, I'm a Southern Baptist pastor, and I struggle with the presence of suffering in the world. It's hard for me to see suffering. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. I believe that the only thing in the world that can make sense of our suffering is belief and faith in Jesus Christ. I believe the only way that we find meaning in suffering, and let me tell you one reason I know that. This isn't just merely academic for me, but I have seen people suffer with Christ, and I have seen people suffer without Christ. And I'm just going to tell you, not, not, not every Christian suffers perfectly, and not every non-Christian suffers miserably. Don't, don't. Don't mishear me. Not everyone handles it poorly or whatever else. But the reality is, over and over and over again, I've seen the way that the message of the cross of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ has given profound meaning to people in deep, dark moments of suffering. I've seen it over and over and over again. Now, what I'm not saying is that all suffering will perfectly make sense. What I'm not saying is that all suffering will be made perfect in your heart in this moment. What I'm saying is that you find meaning in suffering in through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
that you would not find otherwise. Now, here's a quote from Tim Keller. I I love this quote, and this thought has been so helpful for me as I've considered suffering. This is from a book called The Reason for God. Listen to what he said. He says, if you have a God great and transcendent enough to be mad at because he hasn't stopped evil and suffering in the world. In other words, if you you are frustrated with God and you say, I don't want to believe in God because of suffering in the world. What you're saying really is a confession of faith. That you believe he could do something about it if he wanted to. Right? That's what you're saying. If you have a God that's great and transcendent enough to be mad at because he hasn't stopped evil and suffering in the world, then you have at the same moment a God great and transcendent enough to have good reasons to allow it to continue that you can't know. Indeed, you can't have it both ways. There's a mystery in the scriptures related to our suffering. And it's that there's a meaning beyond that which we can see. There's a meaning that's deeper and greater and that God in His sovereignty has good reasons. We can't always see them, we can't always understand them. But God has good reasons to allow suffering even for His people. And we can look all throughout the Scripture and see examples from the life of Joseph all the way to the very life of our Lord Jesus Christ where God is allowing and permitting suffering for good reasons. We find meaning in suffering. Don't you see the point that Paul is making here in this passage in Romans 8 about suffering? He, he goes on to show in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Listen to what he says. And we know that for those who love God, all things, what? Work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, even our suffering has a meaning beyond that which we can see today. Faith in Christ gives meaning to our suffering. Now that's not all that has to be or needs to be said about suffering by Christians. But as you read through this passage and process this passage and consider what it means to follow Jesus, don't think for a moment that God is silent or mum on suffering. No, no, no. God gives deep meaning to our suffering. Why? How? By identifying your suffering with the suffering of His Son and recognizing and seeing and demonstrating the way that though we may suffer now, the gospel takes us all the way home in Christ. What does He say in verse 29? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. In other words, Paul is defining what this all things for good looks like. It looks like the gospel. It looks like what God is doing in your life through the work of Christ. Faith in Christ gives meaning, deep meaning meaning to our suffering. But finally, I think you should follow Jesus so that you can find a love you cannot lose. So that you can find a love you cannot lose. Perhaps through all this and our loneliness and our struggles, as some of us look to different things to try to find comfort during this time, Perhaps for you, it's abusing some substance. Perhaps you're swiping through dating apps every night. At the end of the day, what are you looking for? Aren't we all at some level just looking for love? Trying to find love? You see, the problem 
with love and looking for love and searching for love is all the cheap imitations out there. And there are a lot of them. There was a certain pair of shoes that Whitney wanted while we were in seminary. They were just these really popular shoes, really well-known shoes at this time. A lot of women wanted them. The problem is they were pretty expensive. And I wanted so desperately to get her a pair of these shoes for her birthday. And so I, being the internet master that I am, got on Google and started searching for these shoes. And I found an outlet website. And in my joy, I ignored the weird typos and the way it talked about these things and everything else. And so in my joy, I sold all that I had and bought this field where I'd buried these shoes of great price. And I ran with joy and ordered them. And then suddenly, about an hour later, it dawned on me, you just ordered fakes, you big dummy. And so I spent the next day or two chatting with them on Google Chat, trying to get them to cancel my order and finally got it canceled. You see, as we're looking for love, the problem is we're so willing when we think we found it, to settle for a cheap substitute, aren't we? This is a lot cheaper. This is a lot different than what I was going to expect to have to pay for this. And so I'll take it. And the next thing we know, we're disappointed. It's worse than not having it at all, right? To have the fake. You need real, authentic love that you can't lose and that you can't mess up. Some of you may be watching this right now and say, I knew real love, and I messed it up. I messed up my relationship with my spouse. I messed up my relationship with my kids. I messed up my relationship with my parents. Whatever it might be, you've messed it up. But you need love that you can't lose, and you need love that you can't mess up. You see what the Bible's telling us? If God is for us, verse 31, who can be against us? He did not spare His own Son, but God gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justified. Who is there who can condemn you? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us, who can separate us from the love of Christ. Can tribulation, can distress, can persecution... Can famine, can nakedness, can danger, can the sword? What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can do it. In all these things, even in our greatest trials, even in our darkest moments, through Christ we are more than conquerors, through Him who loved us. Because I'm sure, Paul says, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor COVID-19, nor your stupid mistakes, nor going hungry or being difficult, nor cancer or sickness or even death, that there is nothing, the Bible says, nothing in all creation that is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. It's a love that He gave us. Life is perfect and you have everything you need. At least that's what the commercials say, right? You're having the time of your life. All your dreams are coming true. One of these days you're going to kick the bucket, but buddy, you're 
checking off the list now. We may be going to hell in a bucket, but at least we're enjoying the ride. But why do we keep looking for the ejection button? Why, why do we keep looking for something different? For something else? What, if, if all that's true, where's the joy? Consider this. Maybe you're chasing after the wrong thing. Maybe you're looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Maybe you were made for something besides the rat race. Maybe you were made for something besides this world. Maybe you were made to enjoy God and love Him forever. To know God truly. To be known deeply. To, to find a love that you can't be separated from. To find a Father who calms your fears. To be free from condemnation, to have a hope for the future, to find meaning even in your suffering. Instead of running harder after things that don't satisfy, why don't today, why don't you follow Jesus, whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light? Turn from your sins today and follow Christ. This morning, I want you to have a few moments to respond to the Lord. If you need someone to talk to, just email me. It's malexander at fbcgazin.org. Or you can call the church, leave a message. However it is you want to get in touch, you can get in touch. This morning, I want to give you a few moments to reflect. And as this music is played, you stop and you pray. And if you have business to do with the Lord, you pray right now. And if you need someone to talk to, you send me an email. After this prayer, you take a few moments to reflect on the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you for the love that we cannot be separated from. God, it's our prayer that you would move among us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.